young boy said to God one day, When I become a man, here's what I want to make me happy. I want to climb tall mountains, live in a big house, drive a red Ferrari, marry a tall blue-eyed woman, have three sons, and own two St. Bernards. As it turned out, the boy hurt his knee so he couldn't climb anymore. Due to his business, he lived in a city apartment and took the subway into work. He married a short, brown-eyed woman and had three loving daughters, oh, and adopted a fluffy cat. One day he remembered his boyhood dream and said to God, Why didn't you answer my prayer and give me the things I asked for? And God answered him with, I could have, but I wanted to make you happy. Does God really want us to be happy? What is true happiness anyway? Today on Grace Notes, Barbara Sandbeck will answer these questions and more as she begins a study on the subject, How to Enjoy Life. I can identify with a boy in that story. There have been times I thought I'd just die if I didn't have a particular thing or date a certain guy. But I'm sure glad God withheld what he knew I didn't need and gave me what I needed. If you made a list of the things that would make you happy, what would it say? A better job? New wheels? How about a winning lottery ticket? The truth is, the thing that will bring lasting happiness is not material. It's spiritual. We need forgiveness for our sin against God. There's nothing we can do in and of ourselves to earn this. Jesus, God's Son, died and rose again to provide this forgiveness so we can be accepted and know the love of our Creator. Jesus said in John fifteen thirteen, Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You see, God saw us as his friend long before we ever were. Romans 5, 8 says, God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's how much he loves us. I died for you. I'd do it all again if I had to, to show you what you really mean to me. I cried for you. I hung on the cross so you wouldn't have to. I made the way to set your spirit free. That's how much I love you. That's how much I want you I gave up my own life That you might live That's how much I love you That's how much I want you to see That you are my child And you mean so much to me I gave you the stars So no matter where you go, you'd think of me The mountains fair The beautiful oceans are there to remind you That I can satisfy your every need That's how much I love you That's how much I want you I gave up my own life That's how much I love you That's how much I want you to see 
Romans 5, 1 through 2 says that when we ask Jesus to be our Savior, we're justified in God's eyes, and we're at peace with Him. The word justified means just as if I never sinned. Now that's forgiveness. Verse 3 continues with, We rejoice, that's happiness, in the hope of the glory of God. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom He has given us. Even in the middle of our pain and suffering, we can still have hope. Verse 3 also says, We also rejoice, there's happiness again, in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Adversity does have a purpose. God uses it to remold us with the glory we lost due to sin. As believers in Christ, we have hope because we're promised an abundant life and an eternal future with Christ. We have a reason for living. God has a marvelous plan. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven reads, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So, if it's God's intent to prosper us, what can we expect? Does prosperity bring happiness? Webster used the word prosperous to define the word happy, and then clarified prosperous as having secure possession of good. He then followed it with Psalm 144.15b, which reads, Blessed, or happy, are the people whose God is the Lord. When we have the Holy Spirit in our hearts, we have secure possession of good because God is good. Jesus said of those who believe in Him, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. And everything good we receive comes as a result of God's goodness to us, James 1.17a says, Every good and perfect gift is from above. But we have to remember to keep a level head concerning material prosperity. Look what happened to the rich man in Luke 12. God had blessed him with many possessions. The man was going to tear down his barns and build bigger ones for his overflowing grain and goods. He said to himself, You have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, be merry. And what was Jesus' response concerning this? 
You fool! This very night your life will be demanded from you. You see, he who has the most toys does not win. Jesus said that this is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. It wasn't wrong for him to have the wealth. After all, God gave it to him. But his wealth was his idol, his reason for living. Jesus said in verse 15 that a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Listen to Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. And this is key. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You see, the first commandment still stands. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. I went to visit my shrine of plenty, but found its stones all filled with dust. I bowed at altars of gold.
you've been listening to Grace Notes. For more information about this ministry, write to Sandbeck Ministries, P.O. Box 581, Falston, Maryland, 21047. Or visit us at our website at www.gracenotesradio.com. Join us on our next program. Until then, let your Grace Notes be a song of praise.